everyone. Welcome to Mercy Talk. I am one of your hosts, Melanie Wise. And I'm your other host, Jen Otero. Mercy Talk is presented to you by Mercy Multiplied, a nonprofit Christian organization that is committed to seeing hope restored and lives transformed through the love and power of Christ. Since 1983, Mercy has helped thousands of young women break free from life-controlling behaviors and struggles through our free-of-charge, biblically-based residential program. That's right. And Mercy's outreach activities are designed to educate, equip, and empower men and women of all ages to live free and to stay free. So on Mercy Talk, we want to tackle real-life issues and everyday struggles that affect our lives by applying the same biblically-based principles of freedom that we've seen effectively change lives for 35 years. To find out more, go to mercymultiplied.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Well, hey guys, we have been in the midst of quite a topic over yes, these last have. couple of weeks. We are um, hitting on the the difficult topic of suffering and heartache, mm-hmm. and um, we've had a couple of weeks um, on that topic so far. And um, I, I really do. I know we always say this, but I really do encourage you. Mm-hmm. If this is when you're just now jumping in on this um, to go back and listen to those first two weeks, especially last week. So yeah. um, I think in this whole series of all the ones that I will be most likely to share with people, it'll be that one because yeah. we really tackled some of the down and dirty, mm-hmm. hard stuff of suffering um, and really what the things that you battle with in reality in those dark days. And so um, I really encourage you to go back and listen. But we kind of wanted to start moving into, okay, you know, we talked a little bit about a theology of suffering and, and why does God allow this to happen in our lives? And now we want to start jumping into like, okay, if I'm in the throes of this, if right. I am in the midst of darkness, suffering, pain, heartache, what do I do? Like, I mean, how do I navigate this? What is my role in this? Um, And and so that's kind of where we're headed today. We want to talk practical. Like, Mm -hmm. what do I do when I'm in this? Because when you're in it, so often it can be hard to even know what to do. And so we're really prayerful that the things that we share really are helpful. And so we want to make sure that we understand that there are a lot of different ways to navigate this, Mm -hmm. but because we are all unique individuals experiencing difficulty differently and uniquely, it's going to look different for all of us. And so we really just want to encourage you as we're sharing these things, some of it, you may be like, "Mm, that just doesn't feel like it'd be helpful at all. Then let it fall to the side. Mm -hmm. But we're praying that there are some things that we hit on that you really go, wow, that's something that I think I could do. Mm -hmm. And so we encourage you to understand that you will navigate this differently depending on who you are and the way you're wired. But ultimately, the more that you even have shared this last two weeks, Mel, just some of the things you've overcome is that so much of it was showing up and leaning in and Mm -hmm. really allowing the Lord to lead that out. And so that is our kind of our first encouragement is that you're really prayerful about the things that God is speaking and encouraging you to do. And it may look very different than a friend who maybe is walking through something similarly, or you've seen other people walk through and that you have permission to walk this out as the Lord leads and as you feel led to do. Mm -hmm. And so that is kind of our first encouragement. And you know, that whole idea of leaning in, Mm -hmm. that didn't even come from my own head that came from my time with the Lord where I was like what do I do what am I supposed to do right now and I just felt like he kept saying just keep showing up keep leaning in keep showing up and isn't that awesome and I was like well all right then Mm -hmm. and you know I'm kind of one who wants to work really hard for things that I want to see like if I want to see something happen I will do all the things to make that happen right if I want to see my heart heal so I'm going to do all the things I'm supposed to do to see my heart heal. And what he said is like, I actually do that. Yeah. I'm kind of the heart healer. You're just going to have to show up. You just have keep, to keep showing mm-hmm. up. And I love that because it really is him doing the heavy lifting, mm-hmm. especially when we're in seasons of suffering and heartache where we are so worn down and 
just in such a hard, hard season. Yep. Isn't that all the more the time that he would show up and do the heavy lifting and do the hard work for us? But we do need to show up. And so yep. I love the point that you just made, Mel, and that is that desire to sometimes want to control it and to make it look a certain way, especially if you are maybe, you know, you have more of a counseling background or you help people Mm -hmm. or whatever, we can kind of tend to go, okay, this is the way this is supposed to look. And these are the four scriptures I need to read every day. And this is kind of the way that I need to control and make this make sense. And if I do this, then that will equate to healing and wholeness, Mm -hmm. right? We can get very much in our heads about it because when we're in pain, we want to try to control it and that makes sense. But we need to be willing to let go and to choose to give over that place of control and to understand that there, that God has it under control. And the more that we lean in and allow him to meet us, it's okay. We need to be willing to admit that I am not sovereign over my life, that there is a sovereign God who sees Mm -hmm. and knows he has allowed this, but I'm going to choose to really lean in and allow him to meet me in this and to know that he is wiser, that he is greater, that he sees more than I see and allowing him to give us his perspective. Um, but really allowing him to give us that truth and to meet us in the midst of all of these things because he is the ultimate knower, you Mm -hmm, know, of mm -hmm. our lives from beginning to end. And so the more that we give him that space to speak into it, Mm. the better off we're going to be. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. good. One of the things that I found to be helpful, and I'm already like bracing myself for potential response to this because when you are, when you are in the middle of pain, the last thing that you want to hear is someone saying, choose gratitude. Like, oh my goodness, (laughs) do not say those words to me right now. Right. But I will say, um, that choosing to be grateful is one of the most powerful things that you can do to fight Mm -hmm. against resentment towards God. Yeah, it's true. Um, and, and and my husband and I, you know, I, I've shared this in the last two shows, but the most recent heartache that we've been walking through is the loss of a baby um, back in February of this year. And I remember, and, and in the midst of that loss, we were also really wrestling with some very, very difficult things that were happening with his work and his his job. And it was just, it was dark days. Yeah. And, and there was a day that we started talking about what if every morning we texted each other three things we're grateful for. I needed accountability around it because nothing in me wanted to be grateful. That's right. I'm like, I, I do not want to choose to look for the good. I don't want to do that mm-hmm. right now. I want to sit in this pit. And so I needed accountability for like, tell me three things you're grateful for today. Yeah. And I remember there was a very specific moment, um, and I will say that even from day one, when we found out that we lost the baby, we started seeing some things that, I don't know how I was able to do this from day one, because it kind of went away for a while, but like I started seeing some things um, and, and some areas where like, um, you know, even some relationships within the family that had been kind of rough mm-hmm. and that this brought family near and, right. and some reconciliation with some relationships that I remember turning to my husband that day and where we were just in the pit of despair. And I was like, if this was all so that these relationships could have some reconciliation, mm-hmm. it was worth it. Now, right. did I say that a week or two later? Probably not. But Mm-hmm. I was able to see from the get-go, like, oh, is the Lord going to use this in every possible way to bring good things? Um, but then there was also a day that I really felt compelled, and this was weeks into this, but I felt compelled to start thinking, thanking God for the gifts that were even within 
the miscarriage. Not mm-hmm. like I'm thankful for the sun today, but like in the mi- like with this actual situation, what can you be thankful for? Right. And in that circumstance, it was like I'm thankful for the fact that we were able to get pregnant because that was a fear of ours for a little while. I'm thankful for the fact that I held a life inside of me. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for the fact that we have a child, that we are a mom and a dad. That's I'm right. thankful for the hope of heaven that our child is with you. And to look at the actual circumstance that's so awful and to even be able to thank God about things that are yes. in it. That was a powerful day for me. Again, that was not immediate. It mm-hmm. took a while for me to get to that point, but man, was that a powerful moment for me. It's so powerful. And it makes me think of even with, I've shared just the big thing that we've walked through in the last couple of years is a diagnosis with my daughter and the medication that she has to take every day would be $6,000 mm-hmm. a month. Mm-hmm. If that tells you anything, y'all, we pay zero. <laughs> it's crazy. Zero a it's month. Crazy. So do I love that she has to take this? No. It's a pain. We don't enjoy it. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there's there's all of these ways that the Lord has met us and ours, and just like you said in your story, that when you do start to keep an eye out and you be on the lookout and you get to a place of choosing gratitude, it's unbelievable the ways that the Lord shows up in the midst. Mm-hmm. It does not mean it has been extricated from our lives, 100%. Yeah. But when you're on the lookout, you begin to go, oh my gosh, Lord. That would put us over the top. If this was something she needed, we couldn't afford. It's Mm. never been an issue. Mm -hmm. I've never even had to like fill out paperwork or anything else. It's just been covered. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing to watch when you're able and you're at a place to really choose gratitude, the things that you're able to see and acknowledge, and even how that becomes a testimony to other people when you're able to say, yes, this is hard, but look what God did. Mm -hmm. This is difficult, but look what God did. There's a real power in that. The next point that we want to encourage all of our listeners with is the importance of community, especially in the midst of suffering. Now, this is twofold. If you're in a season where you are suffering, our challenge and our encouragement is not to isolate. It's not to stuff because honestly, you cannot survive or thrive in isolation, especially when you're in a season of suffering. It will not go well for you. So even if that's two or three people that you allow in and you are honest with and they are praying for you and you are creating some community around yourself, that's so important. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, if you are that community, be on the lookout, be prayerful. Allow the Lord to lead you. When that person comes to mind, immediately send them a text. Give them a phone call. Ask what you can do. Let them know you're praying. Mel, you've said a couple times, some of the most powerful things, the most helpful things were not some big scripture that was sent or anything else, but hey, I'm thinking of you today. I'm praying for you today. There was a knowing that, man, I'm covered and people are caring for me and I'm not alone in this. So whether you are seeking out community because you're suffering or you are part of that community with others, Mm-hmm. It's so, so important that mm-hmm. we're really being spirit led and we're allowing the Lord to show us. And I would say, if you are in a season where you're overcoming and you're kind of walking through some hard things, be really prayerful about who your community is. Mm-hmm. The Lord will highlight the safest people, the people that you know you can trust and lean on and know that's going to be praying for you yep. and lean out yep. and allow those people to really meet you in that. I, so this is a little bit of an aside, Go, but I girl. just kind of feel strongly like I need to say this on here right now um, because I'm guessing that a lot of people listening um, maybe are, are trying to get pregnant. They are mm-hmm. pregnant. Uh, they know people who are getting pregnant. And I just want to throw something out there in relation to this idea of community. Um, you know, there there was this kind of like unset, you know, when my when my husband and I got pregnant, we were so excited and like we couldn't, I went and so many people had been praying for us and we were not shy about telling people that this is something we're desiring. And, and um, I, I battled this idea that our culture tells us that like, don't tell anybody when you're pregnant until... 
a certain That's, point until mm-hmm. you hear that heartbeat or until 12 weeks or until whatever, like don't tell anybody because if you do and something happens, then, you know, dot, dot, dot. right. And so I fought that for a while. Like we shouldn't tell people, but I was like, I don't care. I won't tell people because if something happens, I want people around us. And we told a lot of people, we didn't do any big public announcement. We told quite a few people and we, the day that we found out we lost that baby, we were so grateful yeah. for how many people we had told because we had an army around us of people that loved on us, that cared for us. And we were like, you know, I remember thinking like, well, man, if something happens, then I may learn my lesson. Like, okay, next time around, we're not telling anybody, you know, what it taught me was that we are telling all the same people the next <laughs> yes. time we get pregnant because I want all those same people with us in this journey. I'm not saying that's the case for everyone. Some mm-hmm. of you just may be more private than we are and just don't want to. I'm not telling you that you need to. I'm just saying if there's something in you that's compelling you to like, I want to tell people, yeah. please don't assume that culture is telling you exactly what you need to do. Like get the army around you from the get go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's all just around the idea of pregnancy and miscarriage, but no, I'm going to assume there's that. a lot of people listening who may at some point be in that place and don't assume that it's bad to tell a lot of people when you get the good news. Yes. It's just, anyway, that was just an aside. I love that. Came up. I think that's probably going to be very meaningful for a lot of people. <laughs> so the next point that we want to hit on is the reality, and we've talked about this a couple of times, that when you are in the midst of suffering, the enemy loves to take advantage. Oh man. He loves to come in and try to get us off center. Mm -hmm. He loves to try and bring in any lie that he can, whether it's about us, whether it's about others, and especially about God. And that we talked a lot about that last week, the way that he tries to come in and color our view in the midst of our pain, that God didn't care, that God doesn't see you, that God orchestrated this, that he created this for you. There's so many ways that the enemy tries to come in. And that is why it is so important that we know the difference between our thoughts and the enemy's thoughts, that we have the ability to really receive from the Lord and give him space to speak to us, Mm -hmm. um, but that we're able to really find truth to stand on. And as I've already mentioned, that may be one scripture. That doesn't mean you have to have a whole Bible full at this point, that there's really a place of going, Lord, I need you to highlight to me the scriptures that I need to focus on that really kick these lies in the face because I don't have the, often we don't have the emotional ability or capacity to fight hard. We're just kind of surviving and getting through when Mm -hmm. you're overcoming and you're moving through a place of suffering. And so really being mindful of the way that the enemy would try to come in and to bring up that place of truth. But I would also add to that as well, that you have an arsenal and like you said, an army of people praying. Don't be afraid to reach out. Even if it's just a group text, I need these five people praying for me mm-hmm. because I am in a season of suffering and heartache. I need that additional covering mm-hmm. and not to be afraid to bring in your community that there, you don't even have to ask for specifics. I'm having a hard day. Can y'all pray for yeah, me? Absolutely. And to see people come around mm-hmm. you. There's a real power in that. I'm really glad that you mentioned just now, Jen, um, the importance of knowing, you know, we always hear like know the difference between God's words and the enemy's words. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like know the difference between God's truth and the enemy's lies. Yes. But you mentioned know the difference between your thoughts mm-hmm. and the enemy's thoughts. That's right. That is huge because I, I can think of a very specific friend of mine who early on said those very things to me. It was like, Melanie, you know, when you're, when you're walking through something like this and you're a little off your center, um, the enemy will just come in. And I had said something, something had come out of my mouth. And I remember he was like, kind of chat, like, do you, do you really believe that? And like when I was 
hit with that question, I sat back and I was like, no, I don't believe that. Yeah. Like, I I don't believe the words I just, I don't even believe that. Mm -hmm. That was clearly not even my own thought. That was the enemy coming in and throwing a bunch of crap in my mind. And so, like, just to be able to stand back, because there were days that I felt crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I had lost my mind. I was scaring myself. And and so I think the next point to make is just to recognize not only the enemy's lies, but just his overall working in the process and what he's trying to do to destroy you. That's right. And so I just remember, like, I felt like I didn't have any control over my heart or my mind or my emotions. I felt like I didn't even know who I was anymore. There were days that I really did actually scare myself and even had, like, things were coming out of my mouth that, like, freaked me out. Things were rolling through my head that I was like, I remember having a day that I was like is this how people walk away? Right. Like, am I going down that road right now? Like, I was scaring myself in the midst of all of it. And there was a day that I realized, like, okay, what I'm experiencing in this situation, this is a hard situation. The things that we're walking through with this miscarriage with my husband's job, like, this is hard. It's, yes. But the things that I'm experiencing out of it don't even seem to match. Like, Mm. this doesn't seem like it even matches up. And I realized in that moment, oh my goodness, this has the enemy written all over it. Yeah, He had taken what was a very difficult and painful circumstance, but he had blown it up and he truly was trying to take me out with Mm -hmm. it. And so when I was able to sit back and be like, this is like spiritual oppression at its finest, that even helped me know what to do with it and to know how to move forward. You're not crazy, Melanie. Like you haven't lost your mind. You're not walking away from your faith right now. The enemy is actually full on oppressing you with this. Mm -hmm. And so how are you going to stand up in the midst of that? Um, So again, I think, and and I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on how to face that head on, but to be able to recognize it, see what the enemy is doing through the midst of those painful experiences yeah, and to realize that you're not crazy because yeah. not only is he trying to come in and blow this out of proportion and to make it 10 times as worse he's also then going to try and turn it on you to make you feel like you're the Absolutely. crazy one Absolutely, shame and guilt and, and all oh, the yeah. things that like there's just so much confusion and chaos and like I mentioned when you're in a season of suffering your ability to discern and your clarity and just your physical all of the things that you you're not at your best in any way mm-hmm. and so of course he comes after you in those seasons mm-hmm. because you aren't at your best. I think the next thing I would encourage listeners to know, especially if you're in a season of suffering, is that you have permission for this not to become your entire life. Yeah. So often when we're in a season of heartache, it can color everything. It's all you think about. It's all people are asking about. It becomes your life. And for a season, that makes sense. That's needed in order to heal and to move through it. But at some point or another, there's a turning away from it and beginning to, like we said, have that gratitude, but even begin serving others, doing some things that you love to do. I remember Mel, one night you and your husband went out for like a game night. You're like, life is really hard right to now. Dave and Buster's. We're going to go to Dave and Buster's and watch a movie and play games. Mm-hmm. And it was I remember even that day, you're like, we're doing this. There wasn't a whole lot of excitement or anticipation (laughs) about this outing, but there was an intentional place of going, we have got to get back to life. We have got to start making some choices that feel like they even run counter to what we're experiencing, but it's fun and it's something we enjoy and I have to go laugh. Mm -hmm. And that while it even felt like, it felt probably at that time more work to go out and laugh and have fun. 
than it would have just to kind of sit in the season that you're in. There was such a life that came. I even remember you the next morning coming into work and there was a difference about mm. you because you had gone mm-hmm. and chosen to have some time together. And so I think there's even just that practical, intentional place of like, what do I love to do that I have not done since this happened? What are some, who are some people that I enjoy being around that Mm -hmm. I have not reached out to? What are some things that I can do, even in the smallest sense of life that I would enjoy that I have not given myself permission to do or even thought to do because I'm in the midst of a suffering and hard place. There is such a joy and a beauty that comes and a life that comes Mm -hmm. that then we begin to go, wow, I know intellectually that this is not my entire life. But my heart needs to be reminded that this is not my entire life and that this will pass and I will come out of this and I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And so how do I begin to align with that intentionally now and some of the things that I'm doing? Yeah. And sometimes that even involves just like serving others and getting Mm -hmm. into their Their stories stories as well. Not as an escape to your own, but as Mm -hmm. some perspective. As a reminder. Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, I remember going to a prayer night at your house, Jen, like Mm -hmm. days after we'd found out about all of this and just being able to pray with other people and remember that like my tragedy is not actually the whole world right right. now, right? Like there's, you know, people have their own stories and things they're going through. It was so helpful for me that night Mm -hmm. for a minute where for days my whole life had been this tragedy. I was able to get out of that for a minute and enter into other people's stories. That was super helpful. So both are very important. Um, You know, the last thing I want to hit on was just um, something that I actually received and was taught days after our, our miscarriage. There was a, a teacher who came here. Her name is Debbie Harvey. She actually works in our UK home. She was the first ever international girl to come through the Mercy Home uh, from the UK years ago, but now she works in, in our UK home. And she did a powerful, powerful teaching uh, that day for me personally, just especially because of what I was walking through at that moment. Um, and, and the thing that I want to point out is that she talked, she told the story of Mary and Martha and when Lazarus, their brother, died. And, you know, she she framed it up a lot. We don't have to go. Actually, we've, we posted her teaching. We, we just posted her teaching. I'm the completely beginning forgetting of this. Month. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Please go back and listen to yep. the Debbie Harvey teaching. Um, it was so powerful. Um, so you'll get most of this. But just to recap the part that I thought stood out to me was she talked about when Lazarus died. Um, how Mary and Martha handled that crisis very differently and how Martha had tried to lean on religion in her dark time of crisis and she kind of pulled out all of the ways that Martha had done that. But Mary sought a face-to-face encounter with Jesus in the midst of her crisis. And so Martha had used all this religious language to try to explain away what had happened. And Mary was like, I'm going to get gut level honest with Jesus. And so her point out of that was that in times of crisis, religion will not work. That's right. You need a face-to-face encounter with the Lord. And I realized when she taught that, I mean, I was only a week in at this point, but I had been trying to religion my way through the whole thing. So Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to write the scripture cards with the verses that talk to, I'm going to listen to the worship music in my car. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do the things and then I'll get better. Mm -hmm. And I tried to kind of religion my way through it. I didn't want a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. I'm like, I, you want me to talk to that guy? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Nope. I don't want to talk to him right now. I'm real angry. 
and I was really angry and I didn't want to get gut level honest with him about that um, and we're going to even talk a little bit more about this next month whenever we talk about anger at God that's yeah. where we're headed next month everyone <laughs> so keep joining uh-huh. us <laughs> um, but my anger had kept me arm's length away from Jesus and I was like because I don't want to talk to him I'll mm-hmm. do all the religious stuff that I think makes me better but I have no- I don't want to have anything to do with him right now I'm angry at him um, and so The quote I think that stood out to me that day was she said, in order to live a life abandoned to Jesus, you have to name and identify and be willing to face when you felt abandoned by him. Mm. And so what I realized through the midst of that was that I'm going to have to get gut level honest. And I think I'll probably hit on some of this next month. I don't have time today, but what that looked like and just what it looked like to be like, ask the hard questions that I think for me, it felt dishonoring Mm -hmm. to get gut level honest. Like I'm going to pretty up my anger. I'm going to make this really nice. I don't want to disrespect God. So I'm going to just ask this in a really pretty way. But in that way, I was not being gut level honest with him, which meant I was leaving him at arm's length. And so again, I've, I've, I've already talked about this, but for me, what I felt like the Lord said was like, you just need to lean in. Mm-hmm. That's that's Sometimes that's the only choice you've got. Yeah, You don't know what else to do, so you just lean in. And what I will tell you is that there was a point in time that my faith, like my actual faith in God, I remember saying, if, if faith is being certain of what you do not see, then I don't think I have any. Because mm. I don't think I'm certain about anything right now. Um, my trust was depleted. I did not trust him anymore. My hope was depleted. So my faith, my hope, my trust, those things were gone and I did not know how to get them back. And I tried really, really hard to like muster them up, like to have more faith, trust, be hopeful. Like I tried to like willpower my way into those places and realized you can't. No. And what I realized out of that is that faith and trust and hope and all and peace and all of those things, those are gifts. And if you've been raised in the church for long, you kind of can start to think like you have something to do with the fact that you have those things. Right. But God reminded me like the fact that you have any of those things in your life is because I've given them to you Mm. and they're a gift. And so you can't muster them up in the middle of dark days. You can't, you can't willpower your way into them. You lean in, you lean into my spirit and then I give them back to you and I restore those back to you. And I can say now again, months later, he did it so awesome like and it was him Mm -hmm. it was not because I did some magic mantra or read some specific study like I did all those things but those were not what restored my faith he he miraculously touched my soul Mm -hmm. and restored those things and so if you're like I don't know how I'm ever going to get those things back just lean in just keep leaning in and keep showing up and he will do it because he wants it for you more than you even want it for yourself so good he does. He will mm-hmm. give it to you 100%. And sooner or later, the religious stuff runs dry mm-hmm. anyway. It does. Mm-hmm. Quicker and faster than you even expect. Mm-hmm. So the quicker you start leaning in, the more he's going to give. That's yep. so good. Well, we want to encourage you as well to check out a couple of different resources that we have spoken to, whether it's been over the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but also some that we use in the home with the girls when it comes to grief and loss, because we want to make sure that as much as this podcast we pray is helpful to you and as this series as you're listening along and spending time with the Lord, sometimes there is just a place of going, I need to get further in this. I need to read a book. I need to listen to a teaching. So we've shared yep. on a couple of those, but we want to give you some more. And that is one of those is the book that we've mentioned a couple of times by Jennifer Rothschild, which is God is just not fair. Now, the funny part of the, that book is that when you read it, I remember Mel held it up. She goes, what does this say when you read it? I said, God is just not fair. Mm-hmm. She's like, actually, no, read it again. Oh, God is just not fair. Mm-hmm. 
very interesting how we assume. You get that as you read the book. Yes, you go, uh-huh. oh, wow, okay. So the, some others that we encourage you to check out is a book called Good Grief by Granger E. Westberg, Recovering from the Losses of Life by Norman H. Wright, Disappointment with God by Philip Yancey, and I'll Hold You in Heaven by Jack Hayford, which is a great, great one for miscarriage, abortion, any loss when it comes to children. Mm-hmm. Those are all really, really great resources. Um, the last thought that we want to leave you with is in 2 Corinthians 1, 11. Um, one of our team members here in our outreach team, Marina, was pointing this out on a break. And she said recently she'd been kind of reading and praying and in 2 Corinthians 1, 11, it talks about Paul has just come out of this really difficult time in Asia. There was, he said he's at the point of death pretty much. And he realized at that time that it was the intercessors hmm. in Corinth that were praying for him, mm-hmm. that he realizes what brought him out of it. And so as much as we've, you know, really talked to folks that are overcoming suffering and are moving through that place of heartache, there's the reality as well of our understanding that as people who are helpers and as we're coming alongside our family and friends and community, that sometimes you can feel like, what am I going to do? Like, what is there to Mm -hmm. even do? Mm -hmm. How do I help with this? And I think so often we can cause ourselves to believe the lie that our prayers are the least helpful thing that we can do, when in reality, it's the most helpful thing. And I just love that she pointed that out. The Lord actually really revealed that to her of like, hey, understand that in this situation, Paul full on acknowledges that it's the prayers of the people that caused him to not move into a place of death and Mm -hmm. to be able to move out of this place of suffering that he was in. Mm. And so we would just want to leave that with you as well, whether you are walking this through yourself or if you're walking with someone, don't negate and don't disempower the power that is actually in your prayers for people, especially as as you have walked through a place of suffering. I know what it was like to have people praying for us. There was a power and a shift that happened. And so even as we wrap up, I'm going to go ahead and pray for listeners as well. Sound good? good? Father, thank you again just for this time. Thank you, Father, for just the truth of your word and who you are and the power that comes, God, that when we lean in, Father, that there are so many religious things that we can try to do. Lord, whether we're overcoming a place of suffering or whether we are helping others, God, that we can tend to try to control and try to figure out all the ways, Lord, to try to help or to overcome, Lord. But honestly and ultimately, Lord, it comes down to leaning in and giving you space. And so I pray right now, Lord, for all of our listeners, Lord, whether they're in a season themselves of suffering and heartache, God, or whether they're helping others through it, God, that they would be just so faithful to lean in and allow you to show them what it looks like to overcome, to move through, to heal, God, that it does, Lord, as we've already mentioned, look different for all of us, God, because we are unique sons and daughters of God. And so I would just ask, Lord, that you would be close, that you would comfort, but you would also give a strategy, Lord, when we are in these dark days of the soul, Father, that you are so close, but you're also showing us step-by-step, moment-by-moment, what it looks like to overcome and to move forward. And so Mm -hmm. we bless you, we magnify you, we lift you high, and we pray over every listener as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the show today. If you have any thoughts or questions about what we discussed, or if you'd like to share your ideas for future podcast topics, please let us know by emailing us at mercytalk at mercymultiply.com. And if you're enjoying Mercy Talk, be sure that you go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and to leave us a five-star review. We also want to remind you that Mercy Multiplied and Mercy Talk are funded solely by donors, and we are so thankful for the support of so many people all over the country and even the world. So please consider supporting this free programming by giving a gift at mercymultiplied.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you'll join us next week.